Welcome to the 153rd edition of the Guna Podcast. This is your host, David Udo, back in the chair so we can enjoy a bit of variety on the panel this month. We're recording the evening after Arsenal's 4-1 victory against Basel, four days after the 5-1 win at West Ham United. Arsenal currently lies second in the Premier League table behind Chelsea. So, with things looking healthy, let's introduce this evening's panel. First up, a regular panellist, but not sounding quite like his normal self this evening. Due to a dose of flu, we are grateful he's been able to even make it along, although might not be so appreciative tomorrow if we develop what he has and need to take the day off work. He's the editor of the Hampstead Village Voice and rarely does a week go by when he doesn't spot an Arsenal player past or present buying carrots at his local greengrocers. It's a warm welcome to a decidedly croaky Mustafa Goldstein. Good, good evening. Uh, in disguise as Henry Kissinger's yes, editor. Henri Kissinger. <laughs> next of late... Next... Of late, more normally found in the host chair, he's made a one-month loan move to the other side of the table, so that we can hear some opinions from him rather than questions for a change. He's never spotted an Arsenal star shopping, although after Arsenal beat Manchester United 30 years ago in 1986, he chanced upon the pop star Sade in his local convenience store. Insert your own gag about being a smooth operator. It's good evening to the editor of the Gooner, Kevin Witcher. Hello, listeners. Finally, our regular Guna contributor of the Anger Management column and the Arsenal programme through the years series, he's something of a legend amongst the Arsenal Twitterati and runs articles on his own website, Angry of Islington. However, with Christmas coming, I'm sure he'd rather us give a big fat plug to his book being published in recent months, a self-help title with a difference called Gary's Guide to Life. So here to persuade us, it's the perfect stocking filler. As well as issuing a few opinions on football matters, it's nice to say hello once more to Phil Wall. Thank you, David. Hello to you and all the listeners. So, gents, since our last podcast, um, we started off with two draws uh, away at Manchester United, stealing a one-all draw, and then um, at home to PSG, giving away an easy three points or a two two-all draw. At that point, it was, it was Dad's army, we're doomed, we're doomed, we're doomed. But it's been great since then. Gents, how are we? How are we looking at the moment? Basti? This seems to change from week, sort of month to month, week to week. I don't know which Arsenal, you know, uh, turns up sometimes. Um, yes, I was sort of, it was funny because at the last podcast, I was going on about how we're going to win the league. And then <laughs> I remember sitting in the bar thinking about saying that and thinking we're definitely not going to win the league. I'm not sure if it was after Man United or PSG in both games, I thought we were uh, lucky to get a point, really. Well, obviously, man, I mean, it, 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 there's something great about getting a point at Old Trafford with Giroud in the 92nd minute, though, you know. Uh, and uh, PSG seemed to outclass us, I thought. Um, they seemed the much better side. Uh, so, and yet, since that, we seem to have, have, have looked good. But once again, Kev's favourite term, flat track bullies. You know, it's, we look good against West Ham. And we looked good against Basel, neither of which looked very good. So, Ozil and Alexis look great when they're playing guys who give them loads of space. What, what are you, you thinking, Phil? I mean, a, a big thing is that our, our bogey November, uh, as everyone fears every single season, appears to have been avoided, hasn't it? <laughs> well, it was, it was avoided in part. There were several draws that... Um, that could have been wins, but other teams in the league around us have not hit real form either. Chelsea apart, um, people who might be expected to be above Arsenal are not above Arsenal. So 
so yeah, not a, not a bad November, not a great November, but uh, but uh, you know people do overreact to the first sign of a victory or defeat. Um, form comes and goes. You can't stay playing 100% all season. Uh, you know, I think um, I'm, I'm old enough to realise that, that you just have to wait and see what happens. Oh, that's a fresh thing for a 26-year-old to say, Phil, <laughs> but, but there we go. What about, what about you, Gaffer? How, how, how are you feeling right now? Well, I think it's, um, <clears throat> it's a good trait to be lucky. And um, those fortunate uh, points, certainly in Champions League, the fortunate points we got against PSG uh, meant that we uh, topped the group. Whether or not that's of any use, we will find out on Monday, um, with obviously everyone assuming we will get Bayern Munich, because we <laughs> always do, if it's not Barcelona. Um, but in the league, um, yeah, I mean, the late equaliser at Old Trafford. It was interesting, because I was watching that game in a, a bar in Madrid, believe it or not. <laughs> um, it was an Irish bar, so it's packed full of um, expats and the like. And um, I... It shows the balance of play and what happened in that game. That I didn't think there were any other Arsenal fans in the in the pub until we scored. That was how bad we were. Suddenly, when we scored, there was a huge noise, and I thought, "God, there are lots of other gooners here." But before that, they'd had no reason to make any noise at all. It was all just Man U fans getting excited. <laughs> so, um, you know, that kind of game, you know, you play badly and you get something. That is a good habit. And if we, I will say now, if we go through the rest of the season unbeaten in the league, I do think we'll win the title. However, the fact is, in terms of away trips, we've been to Old Trafford so far. Mm. Haven't been to Man City, haven't been to Liverpool, haven't been to Chelsea, haven't been to Spurs. So I think what needs to happen is that um, Sanchez needs to maintain his form and keep banging in the goals, and specifically keep banging in the goals when we have these tougher fixtures. History tells us in recent years we, we haven't got these results and we need them. So is it a different team this year? We will find out, We're starting with the visit to Man City. So we uh, watch and wait, we hope, but I don't think any of us will put money on Arsenal winning the league. It, it's, a, it's a very, very interesting uh, 10, 11 days we've got in front of us. With it being um, one of our other semi-bogey teams in Stoke City trying to... Um, Obviously, footballers off the uh, off the park with um, wonderful tiki taka from the likes of Shawcross. Uh, but then it's a tricky away game against Everton, and Cooman's got a fantastic record against Wenger. And the Sunday after that, it's uh, it's a Martin Tyler. It's live Sunday afternoon at the Etihad Stadium. How do you think we're going to do in the the run up to Christmas, Basti? Well, I'm not um, underestimating Stoke at home because I've been watching Stoke a bit on Match of the Day, and they've got some decent players, and they do kind of. You know, got, they create things, and uh, they are a bogey team. Um, and we seem to be better away than we are at home when it comes to actually winning a game. Um, we seem to be, uh, you know, uh, was it Middlesbrough at home? It was a bit painful, wasn't it? Mm. Um, uh, we got defended off the park. Yes, and uh, yeah, our, our home, we need to find our home form, that's for sure, uh, if we're going to progress. But uh, yes... Um, I'll just take one game at a time, you know, <laughs> Stoke City next, and then we'll see where we go from there. What about yourself, Phil? I mean, I'll, I'll, I'm going to stop. What about yourself? I think the, the league is, for most teams, more even than 
it used to be a few years ago. So I, you know, you play Stoke. Maybe Stoke have been a bit of a bogey team anyway. We've always we've always got some bogey team at any point in history. There's always a bogey team. It was Bolton for a while. Um, <coughs> so I, I'm not sure about Stoke still being a bogey team, but the fact is, I, I think they've uh, they have got a lot of strong players. They may not be coached as well as Arsenal. They may not have superstars as good as Arsenal's superstars, but they're still a strong team. So you can't take anything for granted. And as Basti said, home form is not particularly great at the moment. Um, the, the away matches, there seems to be more free-flowing football. Um, but go, you know, to go back to your question, what, how will we do in the run for Christmas? I would, I would hope to take six points out of those nine and still be well in contention, You know, not dropping too far behind. I can't imagine Chelsea, the way they're going, to, are going to drop a huge number of points in the foreseeable future. Maybe their form will tail off but they're looking pretty good. So you've got to stay in contention with them. You've got to stay in touch. Uh, so far we have, and I would hope that come Christmas we're still going to be you know, one win or one win and a draw maybe behind them still. I think I'm hearing two slightly reserved optimisms there. What about you, Kev? Are you going to bring us down and say you're thinking three points if we're lucky? We normally do beat Stoke at home. I mean, it's either way we struggle there. So, I mean, you know, I'd like to think we'll continue that. Um, Everton's a funny one because they've had a bit of a dip in form um, but it is, it is a tough trip and uh, you can never predict what's going to happen there Arsenal have won there a good few times that we've lost as well so um, I'd, I'd think that basically if Arsenal will have genuine title pretensions they, they should try and get four points from those two away games um, it's, it's, it's more about denying Man City three points than actually taking three points up there. And uh, they haven't got Aguero, they've got a couple of other major guys out, but they've got such a deep squad that I, I don't think that's a, necessarily a huge factor. Um, so I, I think after that particular game especially, we'll have a much better idea. Because psychologically, if Arsenal did lose there, for a lot of those players, it'll be here we go again. You know, we can't get a result at these... Um, these grounds, but you know they managed it at Old Trafford. So, who knows? Um, I, I hope they go in into that game with two wins and do do themselves justice. I mean, there's a team I do think has the potential to actually win the title in terms of the players, personnel. It's just really about getting results. So it's it's in a way they they somehow construed to actually get a lot of results this season. Um, in games that people believe we would have lost in previous seasons. Um, so if that continues, then, then they have a chance, a so real chance. Where do you think, in, uh, you're saying the players have the potential, mm. where, where do Arsenal players stand in relation to the Man United squad or the Man City squad or the Chelsea squad? If, if, all, if everyone plays their potential, mm. who wins? Uh, I would say that in terms of the best collection of players... Um, I think the first 11 Chelsea have got the best team and yeah. it, I hate to say that <laughs> that's what I think they've got Hazard Hazard is a world class player they've got Costa who is a pain in the arse as a forward but very yeah, well, Louise is back so they might get a few own Louise goals. is you know a bit of an X factor but because they're playing three at the back he's not always quite so exposed that seems to suit him yes um so I just think also, in, in terms of the backup options, Chelsea probably got 
three or four players who could play in the first team without it dropping a level. Um, I'm not 100% sure you could say that about Arsenal. I've just had a live text message from Gary Cahill thanking you, Kev, for saying that, well, all of you, for suggesting that David Louise is the weak part of Chelsea's team. But um, so that's quite generous. Um, one of the famous games, I think, well, famous performances, I think we can all remember of the last five years, was going up to Manchester City and a different Arsenal coming back, whereby we let Man City come at us, we let the 80-20 go in their favour, and we beat them quite easily, sort of holding them off at arm's length and kicking them in the nads. I mean, Basti, do you think we have to adapt our style or a proper, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, and we're playing too well at the moment? Uh, I think what we've got to stop doing is, even yesterday against uh, Basel, I remember... Ramsey. Silly mistakes. <coughs> the sort of yeah. taking our eye off the ball, not concentrating, and... I think we were two 0 up, and we start suddenly. It was sort of Basel were coming forward, and that, that seems to be a. Ramsey played a hospital ball across That's the, it. The, the, our own half, a one 0 up. Yeah. And we got away with it. Yeah. But if you did that against a team with a sharper attacker, it would have been a one on one, and it would have been one. That's exactly it. So the point being that the teams like West Ham and Basel, right? You you can get away with things like that because they might not be sharp enough to finish a, a, a golden opportunity put on a plate for them. Whereas as soon as we start playing good teams, you know, you, yeah, Hazard would, would finish something like that. Aguero would finish something like that. You know, so suddenly you're on a different, different level. And uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if we've got the... Got the right now, I'm, uh, jury's out at the moment to see whether we've got that, that maturity. We seem to have more than we had in the past. And the most important thing is we haven't lost a game for a long time. Uh, and we're getting draws. OK, they're draws with Tottenham. We beat Chelsea... Draw with Man United away, uh, so we're not losing Touchwood to the better teams yet. Uh, uh, if we can, as you said earlier, Kev, I think if we can maintain that that unbeaten thing and scrap out an ugly draw at, at, at City, uh, for example, then yes, then more will be revealed. We've got some winnable games after Man City, really. Mm. You know, well, those are the ones we balls up though. Well, it is, but then you know. If you're going to win the title, and Tony Adams used to say, you win the title if you beat the bottom ten teams in division home and away, because that will give you 60 points. Well, like Middlesbrough. Like Middlesbrough, but are Middlesbrough going to be in the bottom ten? We can't beat them at home. I mean, that's. I mean, but you know, so yeah, I agree what you're saying. You do need to win those games. You (coughs) you won't win them all. You know, you might you might get uh, 55 points out of 60 or whatever. But the principle being, you don't drop cheap points, Mm. and that gives you the platform whereby you can afford not necessarily to beat all... I mean, I remember Man United winning the title one season, and they, in the terms of that table of the top four teams playing each other, they were bottom of that. Mm. But because they they basically wiped the floor with everybody else, they had enough points. So um, it's not, you know, it's not vital to to win at these away games, which we, we traditionally don't do well at. But it is it is important to at least get a few draws here and there, and make sure you win the games you're expected to. And that's an area where Arsenal have collapsed in previous seasons, quite often around early spring, whereby teams come to uh, the Emirates and they, they, they get a surprise win or we get dodgy draws or defeats on the road. But, but is it important to go to the big away games and put up a good performance and... Yeah, I mean, being beaten 5-1 and 6-0, that's not good. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'll agree with you on that. But uh, but, if if you at least get a draw there, 
um, and play well and have chances to win it, then uh, I don't know how important that is for the team's belief that they can actually go all the way. You seem to think that, that, that there's quite a strong psychological thing that no, they're going to blow up psychologically. Results are everything. I really think that. Because you can dominate a game and not win it. Um, but if you win it without playing well, you get a very much different feeling. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's always good to perform if you can, but what well, we really matters is just grinding out the points you need. We do seem to have turned that around a bit, because in past years we've parked ourselves outside someone's penalty area, kicked it about, pretty little triangles, showboating, not scoring a goal, losing a game. Well, that has happened and, this season. Well, yes, but I, I do think we're a little more solid. Having said that, I say we're more solid at the back, there are times where I think we're just lucky at the back because there are times where we do balls up. Um, in fact, most games there are some, you know there's the odd schoolboy error, isn't there? And I think I think actually most teams do suffer from that, but we obviously put our own under the microscope. I think yeah. Yeah. there's no even you know if, if you look at any other game, you could probably see and you're analysing it in that way. You could probably say we could have lost it there by just being a bit. Well, you look at table topping Chelsea and the mistakes that. Kale has made just in the last few weeks. I mean, look at us against Manchester United at Old Trafford. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, I think we committed theft of a point there, didn't we? Should have been a penalty when Monreal. Personally, I don't think so. It's a contact sport, but you know. It is Old Trafford, so (coughs) on another season, that would have been given. It's a good point, actually. The referee hasn't been seen since, so if anyone does locate (laughs) him at all, please please (laughs) photos us up again. Alex Ferguson's cellar, I can tell you all now. (laughs) Uh, Next, those bottles of red wine he has with Venger on a Thursday, as you read a couple of weeks ago. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, so, um, one thing we're doing with the podcast now is we are inviting questions to come in and trying to get through them as, uh, as many as we possibly can. Um, looking at the Manchester City game, um, City's midfield, despite dropping Toure, appears to be an awful lot stronger this year. So, it's going to be an interesting tag team wrestling match, I think, between our defensive two and their defensive two. Uh, a question coming in from um, Philippa Sahl, Pip, Pip Sahl. Um, in light of last night's performance against Basel, is it time for the Chaka-Ramsey axis to be our central midfield pairing? Is that who you'd put out uh, against uh, Man City at Etihad? Basing on the facial reaction I got from Basti, he'll choose um, one or two of the other 246 midfielders we've got. Well, I've got to say, I'm not, I'm, I, I'm not a big fan of Ramsey's, um, only because he, I don't feel that he's uh, quite... I know a lot of people go, you can't say that about our golden boy, because I know people sit next to me sometimes, and if I have my little tuppence worth about Ramsey, I get shut up very quickly by his, he's got a fan club out there. Um, I think that's me, actually. Well, no, I mean, he has got a fan club, and it's not I don't like Ramsey, it's just that I don't know if he's he's putting in those those balls that, that, that really matter. I mean, if you compare Ramsey to the sort of passes that Ozil and Alexis are putting in, um, often they just go into touch. I mean, R- Ramsey has this really weird moment every now and again where I don't know what he's thinking, to be honest with you. <laughs> he just sort of kicks the ball off into touch. It's a tribute to Jeff Thomas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, it somehow it's, it takes you back to, or Jeff Blockley for that matter. I mean, it's just. You well, know. He's, he's Welsh and you kick for touch a lot in rugby. Well, that must be <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah, well, maybe it's that. <clears throat> so he's not, he's not my first choice in midfield. Um, Shaka, I think Shaka makes mistakes as well. Uh, quite, he did a bit of a, a, a clanger yesterday, I think. Mm. Uh, 
although I think he's probably a bit more economical with the ball. Elneny, I think, is so economical with the ball. He never seems to go forwards or create anything. He needs to take more risks. Um, but, yes, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know who's... I've got a cold. I can't... Managing the team. I was gonna say, there are too many combinations. This is the problem. Absolutely. Well, if Cazorla comes back... Photographs on Facebook today have been waking up after the operation on his Achilles. They um, say three months. If they're asking three months, then thanks for your years, Santi. You'll get a testimony. Oh, no, I think you might see him in the last game of the season. And that could be a goodbye, is it? Is and it Arteta, nice? it's his last, uh, last six Unless months. they offer him a year, you know. How old is he? How old is Santi now? He's 30, 31. Oh, 31 really? Stone. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, that, yeah, thirty-one stone and not very tall. By the way, I noticed on the Arsenal website the other day when Giroud was out, it said hamstring, and yet he popped up yesterday. So that was the, the shortest recovery from a the, hamstring the I've ever seen of in my life. Diplomatic injuries. On, uh, I think that was a diplomatic on injury. the Arsenal website. Well, you wouldn't put hamstring, would you, if you hey, someone's coming back next week? Almuni had a sprained wrist or something. <laughs> he was out for six months. Ruined his sex life. Um, <laughs> No, it's that, it's that sore big toe that Olivier's had all season, you know, bless him. Is it a sprained big toe? No one's ever it. dropped. No one has ever dropped. Well, mind you. Have they, have they injured Jenkinson yet? Or has actually Wenger's admitted? I think Wenger admitted. Oh, no, he, he said it's getting to him. It's, it's an emotional thing. So he, he has actually fessed up and said, I've dropped this guy. Um, well, he has to, doesn't he? I mean, that was one of the questions that came in, actually. Um, uh, what's better, Gabriel at right back or uh, Cole Jenkinson? Brackets is his dream over. You know, I mean, what co- I, I want to know what competition exists whereby a mascot can actually get the squad number twenty-five. <laughs> In fairness to Jenkinson, we didn't pay a lot for him, but given his experience up to the point where we signed him, I'm I'm pretty thankful about that because he'd hardly played anywhere. Um, he was a Charlton, I think we got him from, wasn't he? But he'd only played about a dozen games with them, tops. And he was, at, he was on, on loan to Eastleigh or something before that. Um, I've seen he's got scouts everywhere. Yeah. So, he's got the same agent as Amari Bischoff. Actually, it might have been to do... There was this Charlton coach, I think, we also got to Arsenal at the time. And it it's not the Charlton been, coach who's been in the paper. No, in, no, OK, no, right, no. just check it. Might, just, uh, might have been on recommendation or something there. But anyway... Um, are we returning to that subject later, or should we just... Yeah, no, no, we'll turn to that su- subject later. I mean, I mean, on, on, the, on the whole Ramsey thing, I mean, I personally... Will, will Wilshire ever come back? Oh, well, yeah, he's doing, doing well at Bournemouth, isn't he? Apparently, well, his mojo is back. Who knows? You know he's, uh, he's not got a single assist or goal to his name so far this year, so um, he's the same as El Nenny, the, the way that he, he passes it through. There's a theory that he will basically replace Cazorla in the squad. Right. That's the thought right. of the optimists... My own belief is that uh, he's in the last chance saloon with Arsenal. Um, is it his yes, party? Will Arsenal be there next season? That is, that is what I was leading on to. So, you know, maybe there's a decision for the manager that comes in. Should Arsenal leave? Should Arsenal remain? 
Who knows? But I mean, I. I'm going to get onto that subject later as well. Uh, uh, it's not on my list, actually. Or should we deal way? with that one now? It's pretty much every week that subject, isn't it? <laughs> uh, well, I, I, I'm, I'm, j- I'm just look at the crystal ball. Um, Kevin thinks it's time for Wenger to go. <laughs> I, I didn't see it coming. No, it's, it's not on the list, so let's attack it while, while we're, we're touching it. Um, end of the, well, actually, one of the, one of the questions is. Um, RB uh, Red Bull Leipzig boss Ralf Hasenhutl has confirmed that Arsenal have approached him about taking over, over from Arsene Wenger. What do we make of him? Well, all, I, all I know about this character is that um, Leipzig are exceeding expectations and making a fist of the challenge with Bayern Munich in the Bundesliga. And I've also heard separately that they're a bit like Abramovich's Chelsea in that they're heavily funded and they've bought their way to where they are. I don't know, basically, if that's true, because I don't know enough about the Bundesliga. However, what I do know is why would this manager say such a thing uh, unless it was real? Now, he may have scuppered his chances of getting a job in doing it, but at the same time, assuming that there was a conversation, to me, that does indicate that preparations are in hand. And um, they are (coughs) actively sounding out potential candidates. So I'm very infused by the idea and uh, as to the merits of the individual I will bow to the opinion of others who know more about him. But surely, we've got, uh, Phil, we've got it lucky with one unknown um, European coming to this country to manage us. Um, Arsen Who was the headline on the back of the sun. Uh, will it be a Ralph Hassan Hootel on the back of the sun? <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Oh, oh, a little rank. Mark up on your normal. Well, it, it may well be, but I think, uh, as Kev said, it's, it's kind of encouraging that the club have at last realised that sooner or later Arsene is going to go. But I think the situation at the moment is that they, don't, they genuinely don't know if he's going to go next season or not. I think the, there is an offer on the table and he hasn't accepted it or declined it, he is seeing how things go. Now, whether it would be success or failure that decides whether Arsene goes, I don't know, because that's just in his mind. So he might win the league and say, right, that's it, I've won the league, I'm going to go. Or he might come forth again and think, no, I can still do this, I'm going to have another go next season. Or he might think, I've come forth, I've had enough now, I'm not going to do it, I'll go. So I, I think that can go either way, and I think the club know it can go either way. And they, but they are now trying to prepare. So will Ralphie come in? I don't know. Will, it could be anybody. I think it, I think it would be a mistake. What, what I think would be a mistake would be to appoint somebody like a David Moyes type. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not saying David Steve Moyes. And I'm not, certainly not saying Steve McLaren. But um, Bruce Real. you know Eddie Howe or somebody, <laughs> Eddie Howe or somebody, I, I think would be in in a David Moyes situation where they would be in a if they didn't have instant success, the pressure would be too much, and they'd probably ruin their own career as well as uh, annoying a lot of Arsenal fans, particularly Steve Ashford. So, um, so I, I think looking for somebody abroad is a better option and if, if he wins the German League or even if he comes second in the German League this year behind Bayern which and it looks highly likely they're going to come in the top two the way they're going um, then then why not why not go for him why not approach him because he's he's got European experience clearly he's he seems to have something about him even if it's you know one season wonder I suppose you could go for Claudio Ranieri on the basis of a one season wonder well, but that, that's the thing it is a one season um, wonder, isn't it yeah so uh, and look you at know, Leicester where are Leicester now 
Where's Claudio now? Uh, and the knockout <laughs> round of the Champions League after winning their group. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, that's true. That's European true. specialist. So, uh, as as for Ralphie coming, well, it's it doesn't seem implausible to me that they've approached him because I think they have to go around approaching people and they have to do something about it because Arsene has not given them an answer. Who's actually? Who can it, a genuine question to the three of you because I can't think. Who would actually choose the manager of Arsenal Football Club? I mean, when my current company uh, was was looking for a managing directors, you know, you've got a headhunter. I mean, within the we're going to have a referendum, aren't we? Let's have a referendum. Have a poll. Have a poll on the website. That's the new thing. New politics. It's referendum everything. Before every game, uh, c- calling all gooners. Who's the next Arsenal manager this week? Piccadilly Line is closed. Um, Gary Lewin's coming back apparently. More on that later. Oh, not as um, manager. No, well, he's, he's, he's overqualified, basically. Well, <laughs> Bertie B got the job. <laughs> that's, that's a thing. No, but seriously, who would go about selecting the manager? I can guarantee it wouldn't be Cronky, obviously. Usmanov doesn't give a flying fudge anymore. Um, it can't be Cronky. It can't be Dick Law. Sorry, it, it could be Gazidis. I, I, I think it's Ivan, basically, uh, listening to advice from whoever is around him. But, but I think he would try and lead the decision. He would certainly try to be consistent, and I think he would probably get consensus to what he wanted because he does the day-to-day running. And if Cronky, Cronky either needs to trust him or remove him from his post, and you'd have thought if you didn't trust him, you'd have removed him already. So I, I think Cronky allows Ivan to get on with it, and I think Ivan will make that decision. Surely, if Ivan's got nothing to do with the club from a, an actual football point of view, we're talking about the commerciality of Arsenal as a global sporting brand. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, who, would, who, would, who would you have uh, made the decision then? Oh, crikey. Well, it was, it was an open question in the sense that I, I can't think. I mean, right, right. anyone at the club who could do it, no idea. Who could appoint it, I, I don't well, know. Well, I mean, normally Where's it David is... Dean when we need him? It eh? is the task of the board of directors to make these decisions. So, ultimately, one imagines they have looked at the candidates, discussed the candidates and reached a consensus. Can't they just get David well, Dean on on a consulting basis? Uh, there's no going back for David Dean. Uh, I'm you, sure that... You, you can talk about the board discussing it and reaching a consensus, but the, the board is made up of people like Sir Chips, who, you know... Well, well I mean, I, I don't... Is the merits of Ralph What's-His-Face? I'm not, I'm not going to... I'm, you know, I have to play devil's advocate, uh, but basically... I'm assuming that these guys, Sir Chips and Lord Harris, came to the club because they are supporters of Arsenal, rather like us. So I would like to think they have at least some kind of interest in football. And now, whether or not that qualifies them to pick the new manager, I would not know. What I suspect will happen is Arden Gazidis indeed will get advice. And he'll probably talk to people around Europe because he is on all these committees and he probably has the ear of quite a few people who know more about these continental candidates than anyone in England, and uh, he'll sound people out, and there'll be an interview process, I'm sure, as well. So, um, but the question is, who who is making the final decision? Well, I think you're right. I think it will oh, be Ivan, but I'm just saying it is the job of the board to actually. Well, I, I, we all know the theory, but yeah. David's question was, who is actually making the decision? Well, I, I, I agree with you. Mm. Great. And that's the end of that. Let's go on. Thanks. Uh, now the weather. That's the end. Now the weather. Um, Alex Ferguson obviously didn't make a good decision, did he? Um, with Moyers. Absolutely. And he insisted on Moyers, didn't he? he was a, I don't think it's a good idea to have the outgoing manager in there. There is a danger in that, certainly. 
Well, um, am I correct that Wenger's uh, initial choice of, rep- of a replacement assistant manager when Pat Rice had to retire was uh, Dragan Stojkovic, who at that time was manager of Nagoya Grand Plus 8. And my understanding was that was Wenger's choice to replace him and Wenger would spend three days essentially nurturing him. So why, why didn't that happen? Uh, my understanding, and I'll happily stand corrected, uh, was that um, uh, that would send Arsenal fans crazy because your assistant manager just puts out cones, choose Baldy from the youth team or something like that. Okay. Oh, who was it? Someone, I think it was the Spice, said he quite fancied Bournemouth's manager. Eddie Howe. Yeah. Yes, Eddie Howe is in vogue. <laughs> However, whether or not, yes, <laughs> oh, nice. modelling Carl Lagerfeld. But, uh, <laughs> Kevin, I, who are you wearing? H&M or Primark? <laughs> so, uh, who knows? Eddie Howe could become a great manager, but as has already been said, the pressure on whoever succeeds Wenger will be immense. If you imagine the pressure Wenger gets now, yeah. um, you know, double that. Oh, God. I mean, what we really need is a man who's got a reputation, who's not afraid of bitter criticism, and can turn a team around in terms of its... Uh, Outlook and uh, approach to matches. Oh, There's only oh, one oh, man Hillary Clinton's who we're not going to get, but I think we all would love him, and that is the Atletico Madrid manager. Oh, I thought I actually—I'm not making it up. I thought you were going to say George Graham. I bumped into in the street. <laughs> there we go. go. Just three. Uh, what was it about three weeks ago? <laughs> well, right. Two two weeks ago, and uh, he's getting on, old George. He's getting on. Yes, I don't think there's any way back for George now, but no. uh, the, the thing about Simeone is he's a kind of latter-day George in terms of what he brings to his team, and that would resonate very well. Simeone? Simeone. I've never mm. seen George flapping his arms up and down, running up Well, down. he's a more exaggerated version, but George yeah. used to get animated. Yeah. Yeah, he did. So, yeah. you know, especially with the players. So... Um, I mean, you know, we're not going to get him. He's not going to come to England s- straight away. Well, he we're doesn't not. speak a word of English. It's, it's, well, Conte decided to learn it, whether or not Simeone's bothered about that. Oh, by the way, I've got some hot news from the greengrocers. Go on. Uh, <laughs> Let's have it. Exclusive, exclusive. Exclusive, Hampstead greengrocers. He sold a tree to a Tottenham player who shall remain nameless. Uh, the tree, he's told me normally it goes for 75. He got 150 off him. <laughs> Charged him double because he was a Tottenham player. <laughs> and he's, he's an Arsenal fan. And it just guy. shows how out of touch with reality the Tottenham player is to pay 150 quid for a Christmas tree. Yeah, he paid 150 quid. Uh, on, the, on the subject of Tottenham Hotspur, another quote we got um, uh, earlier today from a Paul McIntyre was, uh, what's everyone's thoughts on the fact that the Tottenham club shop is offering 50% of all Champions League merchandise at the moment? Oh. Only 50%? Only 50%. <laughs> bastard. Daniel Levy still ordered them, you know what I mean? But there we go. Look, going back to our team for a minute, I mean, one of the good things we have seen in recent games, it has been, has been goals are plenty in the the last three with three, five and one respectively. Um, interesting question from uh, Guna contributor Pradeep Kashala. Um, what do we think the best starting front three is? Or a cent- wait, wait, it's a front four, but one of them is Ozil. So who are the two on the left and who's the one up front? What do we reckon? Uh, I will go first. I will say you, you retain Alexis as your central player. And uh, basically last night's uh, front three for me, which is Iwobi on the left. And Perez on the right, because um, I think both offer something which you don't get from the Ox and Theo. Um, Giroud is your sub if things are going badly for the last 20 minutes and you just start lobbing crosses into the box. But in terms of fluidity, movement, accuracy of passing and 
an actual desire to take people on and have a go and create things rather than play it safe and have a bit of quality, I would go for those three. Mr Wall. Well, Sanchez, obviously, <coughs> goes that saying. Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure about Iwobi and Perez over Theo and Ox, but they've all got their advantages and disadvantages. I haven't seen enough of Perez and um, <coughs> Matt Scott, uh, well-known journalist and Arsenal fan, um, has, has stated several times Perez is very overrated and is going to get found out at some point. I'm waiting for this to happen because I haven't seen enough of him to, to know either way yet. But, uh, but I don't... Um, I mean, he obviously did well last night, but I don't have uh, enough knowledge to have enormous confidence in him and say he's definitely a better option than Theo or he's definitely a better option than Oxlade-Chamberlain. But those two <coughs> fill me with doubts as well, so uh, it's, it's a tricky one. Maybe Alexis can do it on his own, can he? <laughs> I think that would be unfair on him. Poor, he's, he runs around so much, he'll be out of puff. I think that um, is Perez Francis Jeffers or is he Gary Lineker? Uh, I think probably more likely Francis Jeffers. He's, he, d he did seem to turn up, as Lineker calls it, the, you know, the striker's goal yesterday. Mm. He scored two of those. Now, if he can keep sort of turning up there in that place and Sanchez or Ozil can put it on a, a five pence piece for him and he can just sort of tap it in then, and remain on side, then great, we'll take those goals all day. Uh, but I wonder if he can do that in the Premier League. He can probably do that in cup competitions when it's a bit, you know, sort of flaily defences, not knowing what they're doing. Um, the Premier League, I think he's going to find it hard to be consistent. Uh, he hasn't really been picked in the Premier League enough to, to know. But uh, uh, I'm a big fan of Giroud because I like the way he holds out. For me, he's a bit like Smudger. He's a bit of an Alan Smith type. I think he's got good feet. He's quite a cultured player. I know if you start him, he'll kind of look like he's wandering around a bit lost in the woods. But uh, I think him and Alexis and Ozil together can create uh, devastating problems for defences. I think it's nice to have a, a big man in there and playing it off the small man. Uh, he, can, he, can, he can make a goal as much as score one. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm one of these people, I'm not a statistician, right? And I'm not good at these formations and all that. I'm Mr. 4-4-2, you know. That's, you know, from my school days, I still go with that. So I would have yeah, Alexis playing off Giroud, a la Smudgy and Righty. That's how I see it. <laughs> and, well, I, I, well, the one thing we are all agreed on is Alexis Sanchez. And... An absolute corker of a question that came in very late doors on Twitter from at Arsenal Debris G. It's a proper Sophie's choice. They've all got eight, they've both got 18 months left, left on their contracts, Alexis Sanchez and Meza Ozil. You, you can only keep one of them. Who are you taking and who's being sold to China or Bayern Munich? I'm leaving this silent because it's a difficult question to uh, answer. Well, I'll say I'd rather have Sanchez. Uh, because I just think you... We'll get more from him in terms of over a spread of games. Ozil's brilliant, but sometimes his impact in the game is negligible. And I don't think you could ever say that about Sanchez. I think they're both of equal quality in different positions. But in terms of what Arsenal need, which it really is spirit, um, I would go for Sanchez. I, I think in a way, uh, Ozil needs Sanchez 
so that Ozil is more effective, if you see what I mean. He, yeah. he needs somebody running around ahead of him looking for things that other players aren't maybe aren't going to see and then Ozil will find the Sanchez will find a space, Ozil will find the pass for him. If you've got Ozil there with um, with Theo up front, for example, instead of Sanchez, Ozil might be willing and able to pass the ball into a certain place, but is Theo going to be there waiting to receive it? Um, whereas Sanchez is more creative on his own. He will he will make things happen on his own, with or without Ozil to help him, but obviously better with Ozil helping. Uh, so I, I agree with Kev. I think Sanchez is the is the more valuable in that sense. Basti, I've never been one for Sophie's choice. I'm more of a, a Mustafa's choice, which would be <laughs> line up uh, Sanchez, Ozil, and Ramsey, and Ramsey gets it. <laughs> so I think that Ozil and Mus- uh, Mus- Ozil and, and Sanchez play so well together. Yesterday, that ball that Sanchez chipped over the Basel's geezer's head and landed on Ozil's foot, and he crossed it over for Paris to score. They can both, on a good day, they can both do this great. They read each other very well, and they'll they'll cut through a defence, you know, uh, seemingly effortlessly. Uh, when things are going well, when we're not, then it can look a bit like that. And I agree with Kev, you know, the whole thing about Sanchez having that enthusiasm. And in a way, it sort of works really well because you've got Ozil with his laid back thing. I don't know if anyone saw today, there was a thing on Twitter, Ozil with the rest of the team doing a, a flicky kick, kicking yes. up with a 20p piece or something, right? Mm-hmm. And he just afterwards walked off and said, see, it doesn't have to be difficult. You know? <laughs> he's sort of like, he's got that, he's stroller. You know what I mean? He's a stroller. He's not, he's not a, You'll never win a header, right? <laughs> so I'm um, still wait. Did he score a header? He did, didn't he? He did, yes. And we lost the game. I seem to remember, didn't we? Uh, he scored a header no, and lost a penalty. Well, he couldn't. He? he couldn't have been this season because he didn't <laughs> score against Liverpool. Was so. it Bayern Munich? Was it one of those headers that came off his shoulder? I scored a header this yeah. season. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, he, I mean, he's not going to. You know, he's not that sort of player. But give him the ball on his feet, and he'll do things for you. I, I don't want to lose either of them. I think we've got to keep both of them, and we, if anything, add. You know, mm. uh, maybe you know, uh, let, let Theo or the Ox or Ramsey or even all three um, at some point go and, and find. I love the fact I've given you Sophie's choice, and your answer was, "Can you take Martin's son?" That's wonderful. You can't blame those. Well, really look, I think one thing we all agreed on is that Alexis Sanchez is the man at the moment uh, 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 as we speak. But, um, However, I think he is the most likely to go. Well, the rumours today, he's been offered £400,000 a week by one of the Chinese teams. Oh, he doesn't want to go to China, does he? Well, well um, I, I don't think he will, because I think, I think what he really wants is to win big competitions, be it you know, the Premier League or La Liga or the Bundesliga or whatever it is. But he wants to win those big things, that and the, you know, a domestic league and a Champions League, and he's not going to get much credit for doing that in China. So unless he really is more in love with money than anything else uh, then I can't see him going but How old is he? 27 So he's 27 so uh, you go to China when you're 30, 31 you know you, you, you want to win a proper trophy as a footballer you're going to be rich anyway so what's the difference between having 20 million quid and 10 million quid who cares you're never going to have to you and your family will never have to worry about money again so as a footballer you want your hands on you know the Champions League or at least a, a domestic league and the Chinese domestic league, God bless it, plus with all those American nuclear weapons pointed on Beijing, <laughs> probably not a good idea. Not the sort of place I'd be going right now with Trump as president. But the problem for Alexis, though, is that 
having come from Barcelona, where does he go? There's, there aren't a great many options at, at that kind of level that he can go to if he leaves Arsenal. So, that, you know, that's kind of one card that Arsenal have got, unless he goes to Man City or... Um, well, the rumours are is that he wants to go back to Italy. I mean, when he was in, in, uh, in Italy before he went to Barcelona, he was at Udinese. So if the like of Juventus or Milan wants to throw enough money at him, sorry, yeah. um, footballing opportunities at him, I'm sure he likes it. That's but, but the Italian clubs can't compete in terms of wages with the Premier no. League. No, not at all. So, you know, that would be a lifestyle choice. Uh, but it, it could also be a footballing choice for Sanchez because Sanchez may well believe that, number one, um, Juventus, which is probably where he'd end up, I mean, certainly he can win the league. There's no question about that. They've rarely seem not to win the league these days. But also make a fist of Champions League. And that's the reason a player like that wouldn't go to China, because their profile does disappear. And if they do want to build some kind of reputation, then they'll stick it out as long as they can in Europe. Exactly. Um, I I think it will come down to uh, not so much money. I mean, they'll get as much as he can from Arsenal. There's no question about that. His agent will do that. But ultimately, if Arsenal won't pay what they want, I don't think Sanchez would be too worried about making less money than that in Italy. Also, the amount of you runs, uh, London's polluted enough. Go to China, it can double that pollution. <laughs> so that can't be very good for him. So, uh, I don't know, I think he'd probably want to stay uh, in Europe. Also, being, you know, uh, South American, they probably... Spain or Italy are attractive, the lifestyle, the good weather. But I don't think he could go to Spain. Cause it, I mean, I'm assuming he can't go back to Barcelona. No, there's too many um, good players there. Yeah, I mean, Real Madrid, I suppose. I mean, they've certainly bought former Barcelona players in the past. That is an option. It just depends what they need at this point. Yeah, if you want to sign for Real after being at Barcelona. Yeah, haven't they got a transfer ban for two transfer windows? Oh, I think they have. Real. I don't think they can buy anyone in January <clears> or next summer. Barcelona can, but Real Madrid not. Nothing Real Madrid do. Um, Let's be optimistic. We win the league. He stays. So does Özil, and uh, we we bolster up our team with some world class professionals. Slight variation on, on the same theme coming from um, Simon Rose, popular Guna contributor all the time. Uh, evening, Simon. I mean, what would you say about the club if we couldn't secure Özil and Sanchez? I mean, with the new U, um, UK TV money coming in. Um, we've already thrown silly money at, at the likes of, of, of Walker, and if that is, if, if he was on to £140,000 a week, and I was Ozil or Sanchez, I'd say, based on that, I think these paper rumours of 280, 290000 a week is actually cheap, and you should be saying thank you. I mean, um, are we about to see Arsenal finally break the tough negotiation shackles and say, just sign up to whatever you want, or are we going to find a way of fudging it up? Well, in a way, though, the, the TV money is irrelevant because they can only increase the the wages by seven million a year, or increase of commercial income. Mm. So, um, so the the TV stuff doesn't really matter from that point of view because Arsenal have got plenty of spare money anyway. If they wanted to pay double the wages to everybody, they could virtually do it because they've got the spare cash in the bank. But um, they're not allowed to. No, they're they're not allowed to. So, if they, uh, I don't know how much is it, extra hundred and fifty grand a week. How much does that relate to for a year? Seven point five million. So there you go. Let's you know if you do that for one player, then that's um, that's your wages budget increase, and nobody else gets an increase. So not an easy one to work out, but perhaps they can. And meanwhile, real offload Theo somewhere. And meanwhile, <laughs> real workers are having to go on benefits and getting those cut. 
Well, it is obscene in principle, but it's, a, it's an obscenity we support by buying the tickets to watch the games or buying the satellite TV subscription to watch the games. So we're all culpable there. Bring um, back Fidel, that's what I say. I mean, I, I do like the idea of a, uh, a salary cap whereby basically all the teams spend the same amount of money on wages. And, and that would, be a, would create a far more interesting league in which the manager would be more significant and the scouting and selection of players would be more significant. But that's not going to happen. Well, uh, I, I fully agree that would make everything much more interesting. But what would also mean, unless there was some other regulation, is that the owners take all the money out. <laughs> well, yes, well, you can make laws there as well uh, to make sure that doesn't happen. But as I say, it's not going to happen anyway. So it's, we're going down a blind alley. Well, yeah. <laughs> talking of blind alleys, I just. Uh, I'd just who did you see? Who did you see? I did mention just now. Uh, you may have noticed. And the reason you didn't see him at the Greek process. <laughs> did you? Did you? Was it another bloke with a beard? Did you realise that? There was an urban myth going around in the 80s, wasn't there, that Fidel was a gooner? Yes, I and remember. It used to be sung in the North Bank at one point. Oh, okay. There was a little bit of uh, Fidel is a gooner going around the North Bank, and apparently he had a picture of an Arsenal team in his office. Right. So I don't know if that is complete urban myth. He but probably had a picture of a military arsenal in his office. Yeah. <laughs> hey! Oh, Chinese whispers. Oh, they're in the Chinese again. Right, on fire. Gents, we're just winding up. But, um, I mean, one of the highlights of all of our weekends are within the 5-1 hammering of um, West Ham and they're, and they're gorgeous fans. Lovely people. Oh, they lovely. Um, Sanchez's hat-trick, close to perfect. But was it actually the best Arsenal hat-trick you've ever seen? I'm not just talking about Alexis on Saturday, Burkamp with that hat-trick. What was your favourite Arsenal hat-trick? That's a question coming from uh, Arsenal Dubree G again. For emotional reasons. Well, it's an I, open question. I am going to go for the final game played at Highbury. And a particular striker we used to have wore the, wore the number 14 shirt, not Theo Walcott. Oh, Mr. Henry. Henry in the 4 2 win against Wigan. I'll have that one. Kissed the penalty spot and put his hands up to the North Bank. I was sat there in the North Lower. A great afternoon for all kinds of reasons. Are there any hat tricks against Tottenham? Well, Henri did one, didn't he? Uh, didn't Walcott get one a couple of years ago? When Henri did that goal where he went to the other end, didn't he get a hat trick that game? No, it was a 2 0 game, I think. That was a 3 0 game. Was that the one where he just walked through the whole Tottenham team? Yeah, and then slid on his knees in yeah. front of the uh, yeah. Tottenham fans. I didn't know it was a 3 0 effort, but. No, well, anyway. Can't Phil? remember. Um, didn't Ray Parler score that hat trick in Europe once? Standardly aged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, no, Werder Bremen. Werder Bremen. Was it 7 0 win? 5 2. Oh, because um, that came to our attention a couple of weeks ago, because um, uh, Serge Gnabry scored a hat trick on his. Um, international debut for Germany and Werder Bremen had a go uh, had a jibe at Arsenal about it and the official Arsenal tweet feed said um, yeah hat-tricks are brilliant things and it was Ray Parler scoring a hat-trick against Werder Bremen that's a spirit right, well there you go Ray Parler because he deserves a hat-trick if anybody does he's one of my favourite novelists I can't remember any hat-tricks I've, I've run out of hat-tricks well yeah well Burkamp be Leicester did we, did we win that 3-3. It was 3-3, three, three, and that was what three, such yeah. a downer about it, was because we were winning 3-2, and then it... It, it, it was all three. We were in goal of the month. I know. Yeah. No, but it was such a brilliant goal, uh, that particular one, 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 the one with Merson and his hand over his mouth. Uh, and, uh, no, that was oh, Wade Sunderland. Sunderland. Oh, was that Sunderland? Yeah. Oh, well, which was the one that he took? Well, anyway, that 3-2... I remember, I remember him 
getting the third goal mm -hmm. and being so overjoyed that somehow it, it's taken away by not winning. Well, they got an equaliser afterwards. Yeah, exactly, which kind of means <laughs> yeah. it wasn't the best hat-trick of all time. Well, gents, um, our, just a, a time for a quick plug for the current issue of The Guna. So over to our beloved editor, Kevin, for a few words on that. Right, Guna issue number 262 is on sale at the moment, and you will be able to buy it for the home matches against Stoke and West Brom. And it is a bit of a nostalgia fest with um, memories of, amongst other things, broken legs in Arsenal history. The 1988 Mercantile Credit Trophy, if you can remember that, we won it. The, uh, after playing PSG recently, recollections of the 94 uh, Cup Winners' Cup semi-final tie. And um, we've got uh, an Arsenal programme through the years, have we? From, we have, yeah. yes. Uh, from seasons 1986-87 from a gentleman on my right, Mr Wall. And um, uh, more modern day stuff. Could Arsenal play 3-4-3 at our Chelsea Ludogorets trip report and much much more so three pounds from sellers on your approach to the stadium and as ever we are still looking for sellers we are very short on sellers so if you want to make some money before the game please get in touch email me guna.ed at gmail.com make yourself some money before going in if you can spare an hour's time um, so that's your lot get your guna indeed uh, and now an unabashed piece of promo for a new book from Phil <clears throat> Mr. Wall. Yes, buy my book. There's a link on my Twitter bio. Uh, it's a hilarious parody self-help book called Gary's Guide to Life. Go and buy it. <laughs> Short, frank and to the point. I have read it. It is an entertaining tome. <coughs> well, just a reminder that you can contact us regarding anything to do with the podcast or anything Arsenal Guna related via... David, I must stop. Oh, sorry, Gaffer. Is there anyone you haven't read a question out from and can you just give them a name check? I do apologise profusely. Um, yes, I do apologise to Jonathan Houseman. We did actually uh, venture into whether we have expectations for the Everton and Man City game, but I didn't credit you uh, for providing that. I am very, very sorry. Paul Grant, with a very, very interesting question we should have asked, actually, we didn't get round to. Why don't Arsenal, a club that prides itself in doing things the right way, pay its match day staff the London living wage? There's always oh, yeah, next yeah. month we can do that. Absolutely. We can do it now. Yes, yeah, I'm sure you could do it for three days, Basta. Uh, but we'll save that for... Well, it just goes without saying, doesn't it? And of course they it's a bit more complicated. Is it? Um, uh, Subcontracting. Uh, other topics that were raised uh, that we didn't get round to was trying to, uh, how we could find a place in the team for Aaron Ramsey. I know the answer to that and I'll tell you afterwards. Um... Uh, da, da, da. And then uh, I, I apologise actually on behalf of myself and I'm sure everyone else that we didn't give a mention to the incredibly tragic uh, Chapecoense um, air crash, uh, which beyond horrid and don't want to go into it in detail, but obviously um, a terrible thing for football. Good only in the way that it did seem to bring the whole of the football community together and a genuinely touching minute silence before games recently. So, just a reminder that you can contact us regarding anything to do with the podcast via Twitter. At, Kuna, at Guna Podcast, the email being gunapodcast at gmail.com. And thanks to all of you for the questions and, and topics submitted for today. Keep them coming in and we'll find an interesting way of asking them. So, with that, it's a goodbye from Mustafa. Goodbye. From Kevin. Goodbye. And from Phil. Goodbye. We will be back with another edition of the podcast in January. So, this is your host, Dave Udo, saying goodbye and Merry Christmas from each and every one of us in the world of Guna. And thank you for listening to us and for buying our magazine. We're saying goodbye, so thank you all for listening. La di da di da, la di da di di.
All good friends and jolly good company. Wahey! Good five minutes and ten seconds. Excellent stuff.